And welcome into it. It's Triple Play, the podcast. Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. And Jabba, why don't you introduce a very special guest as he's hunkered down uh, in the NLCS. What a grab. Uh, Coach Long is with us. Yeah, the uh, the legendary K Long. Uh, we go back many years and uh, just thankful for his time and, and, and his busy schedule and just... Uh, and unfortunately, took some time. We uh, we go back. We we've won a World Series together and shared a few cocktails and a couple cigars, and you know mm-hmm. have stayed close since. So it's uh, it's an honor to have him and talk shop a little bit and how he sees things going. And I mean, obviously, it, it's the obvious. What uh, what's clicking for you guys? I mean, everything seems to be clicking with everybody hitting two homers a game and, and how they go and their approach. And and I think that's that's a lot to do from the preparation and the fact that you have them prepared every single day. Well, first I, I got to say that I'm, I'm so lucky to have a group of guys like this uh, one through nine. They're incredible. Even the guys on the bench. Um, we just have a deep lineup, man. There's, there's really no outs. Um, you can go as far down to Brandon Marsh, who's hitting in the eight hole, who has a, over an 800 OPS for the year. Um, Castellanos right now is, I'd say he's, unconscious but we have other guys that are hotter um Bryce Harper what he's doing and the bigger the moment um Trey Turner are you kidding me hitting 500 in the playoffs uh, Kyle Schwarber we were wondering when he was going to show up well guess what he just showed up um it's it's just a lot of fun to watch these guys they're great to be around JT Riamuto is another guy I almost forgot him he's coming up with big clutch hits um you know the guys are just feeling good um, they bought into um, kind of the playoff baseball, which is you got to swing at good pitches, you got to stay in the zone, you got to make pitchers work, and you can't miss pitches when you get the opportunity to do damage, and that's what they're doing. Kevin Long with us here on Triple Play, and uh, of course, hitting coach for the Fighting Phils, trying to get back to the World Series. And coach, you mentioned how hot this team is, and and I want to get into a couple of the obvious names that you touched on. But what when we look at at this lineup and this approach you outlined, I want to talk about Schwarber and just the damage he has done. Uh, this season, I, I look at his his walks. I look at his power numbers, and I also look at just uh, that ability to to lock in. Can you kind of speak to what it's like to coach a guy like him and Bryce? Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. First of all, when Schwarber came to the Washington Nationals, one of his good friends, Mike Borzello, which I'm sure Java remembers, with the Yankees, he said, "And you guys are going to hit it off." So we signed Schwarber. I call him. And I said, hey, buddy, I got some things I think I can help you with. Um, you know, when do you have some time for me? That next day I was flying out to Tampa. Um, we were working on his swing. Uh, we were going out to dinner. We were having some beers. We were kind of just hitting it off like Borzy said. Um, well, not, not only that part of it, the human being, but the, the player. He wanted to get better. Um, he wanted to make some adjustments. What this guy brings to the table uh, is the threat to go deep at any point in an at-bat. Um, when he's leading off, uh, it could be the first pitch of the game, which it was the other day with Zach Gallon. Um, you know, first pitch of the game, Swarber changes the score. It's one nothing, which that's what he does. They talked about, well, how can you lead off a guy who's hitting 197? Well, he walked 112 times. So, in essence, those are singles. So, let's just put that on and say, you know, his on-base percentage is probably 340. Then he's a really good leadoff hitter. Um, I think the problem we have is getting those uh, feet of his moving. Uh, he's not the fastest guy ever, but he did, he did go first to third the other day, which had our whole dugout just like we were dying watching the big <laughs> He's fun. He's, he's a great guy. He is our team leader. He's the clubhouse leader. Um, he's really taken what uh, maybe wasn't the best clubhouse in the world uh, maybe the best clubhouse in baseball at the at the current time, and you can you can really point to Kyle Schwarber for that. Kevin Long's with us, and Kevin, you mentioned Schwarber going first to third. Did you see the video online of the the person who added sound effects to him running? No, but I can only imagine. I would probably be dying <laughs> right now laughing. 
I'll have, to, I'll have to send it over to Java so he can send it to you. It's one of the oh, funniest yeah. things I saw this week. I, I would love to see it. I really would. Send that to me. Yeah, Kayvon, uh touch on the fact I, I heard Bryce in an interview on the McAfee show just talk about, you know, just everybody being brothers and, and how that uh, translates on the field because you can just see the fun they're having with each other. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where being in the experience, I, I don't think people understand how much that clubhouse atmosphere translates on the field and just the trust in one another to get things done and to see like you said one through nine it's been everybody in in different situations whether it's getting guys over hitting the two outs you know obviously Schwab leading off of the homer and and doing those things and touch on that a little bit how how much you think that camaraderie and, and Schwab and those those veteran guys that have been there how that helps and translates on the field yeah I mean it's huge there's a brotherhood and there's a connectivity between these guys that's uh, it's not fake. It's real. Um, they've worked at it. Um, it didn't come overnight. Um, you know, there were some fractures in relationships, but they've overcome all those things and put the team above all that. And it's and it really is true. Um, they have team dinners. They have team functions. They have karaoke uh, parties. They have just there's just one event after another that these guys participate in to try to make um, the team first. Um, when we do our hitters meetings, I speak briefly. I talk about what I think the plan should be, and then I, we open it up. And they talk about passing the baton. They talk about trusting each other. They talk about if the pitcher doesn't want to pitch to Bryce, then it's the next man up. If you know your job is to move the runner, then move the runner. If your job is to get them in, then get them in. And they've bought into all that, and it's um, it, 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 as much fun as it is to watch on TV. It's even, even funner in that clubhouse and in that dugout. Kevin Long's with us here on Triple Play, the podcast with Herd at Media, Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, and hitting coach for the Phillies, Kevin Long. Let's talk about Bryce and, and his mentality. The talent's incredible, and he's had a kind of a bullseye since a young age as far as the next phenom. He's lived up to that. Tell me about his mentality with the work he puts in with you but also how it gets uh, between the white lines. Oh, man, so much to talk about with Bryce Harper. Um, his routine is meticulous. He doesn't miss. Um, it's the same routine he's had since he was a kid, basically. We've added a few things here and there or subtracted a few things here and there, but he is meticulous in the way he goes about his work. Now, the other cool thing is I always talk about being able to play in the playoffs. So... I'm so happy that Bryce Harper is getting to do this on the biggest stage. Um, it doesn't always happen. You've watched a guy like Mike Trout, who is arguably one of our best players in the game, who hasn't had this experience. So for Bryce to be able to get this experience, number one, and number two, come through the way he has, it's remarkable. I mean, this guy, these, these hits that he's getting, baseball is very difficult. And hitting is probably the most difficult thing to do in all the sports. He steps up there like it's nothing. And he really does better in those situations than he does in, let's say, a blowout game or a meaningless game. Uh, he just thrives uh, on the big moment, um, much like you did, Java. The bigger the situation, um, you seem to pitch better. And that's how Bryce Harper goes about it, and that's what he's been able to do. And uh, it's truly remarkable. And I, and I tell everybody this. I, I'm as big a fan watching him as everybody else out there. I just marvel at what he's able to do. I think, too, touching on Bryce Kalong, mm -hmm. talk about his transition after Tommy John. Like, he, he made the transition to first base kind of look effortless. I mean, you seem to have a great outfielder, but he moves to first, and as a baseball mind, it, it doesn't feel like he missed anything. Like, he's played first base and, and knows the feel. It just – talk about the component of how easy he made the transition from, from the outfield there and, and making it effortlessly look easy. You know, Job, I think you bring a, a great point uh, to the forehead. Like, this guy went from an outfielder to all of a sudden he's playing first base, and it's seamless. Like, you don't even realize what this guy just did. He went from a position, and I, you hear excuses all the time. Well, I'm, I'm learning this position. Well, this is affecting my hitting because I'm worried about my defense. None of that has happened. You don't even hear him talk about it. Um, he's out there working with Bobby Dickerson every single day, trying to make himself the best first baseman he can possibly be but the fact of the matter is 
we're asking this guy to play first base, and he's never done it before in his life. And he's doing it now in the playoffs. And you're right, Java. It's like, how did this happen? We don't even really notice or think about what a big deal this is. And it's, to me, it's a huge, huge factor because now Kyle Schwarber can DH and we can put better outfielders out there, which really helps our ball club. Um, to come back from Tommy John when he came back, I, I don't know how he did it. I mean, he was literally out there swinging a bat full speed against Major League Pitching five months after surgery. Uh, a testament to Bryce Harper again, um, his will, um, his desire to be with his teammates, his desire to, he always talks about playing for Philly. He loves Philadelphia. He loves the fans. Uh, he loves the, the fan base there. Um, and I think that also motivated him as well. And you talk about Bryce Harper's re- return. Yeah. Go for it, Jabba. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Blackie. Well, I was just going to say, you talk about Bryce Harper's return, and I took a chance on him in my fantasy baseball draft this year, and it really paid off for me, but this isn't about me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking uh, playoff baseball, though, and you talk about the fans in Philly, one of the best home field advantages in all of baseball. We saw it over the past couple nights out there. Those those fans are absolutely electric, and I'm going to get your thoughts on on how you keep the hitters approach the same in front of a fan base like that. These guys want to go up there and do damage, I'm sure. They want to get the, the crowd on their feet. What do you tell these guys once the, the playoffs roll around? Because it's different once playoff baseball rolls around. Java talked about that in our last podcast, that despite the fact that it's the same game, it does have a completely different feel. What do you tell these guys during such high-pressure moments in front of the home fans like that? Yeah, and, and we talk about that a lot, about slowing the game down, about trusting yourself, your ability. Um, as long as they don't try to do more than what they're capable of doing, they're going to be fine. And that's what they've been able to do. Um, the experience that they got last year obviously helps. Um, the fans were crazy last year. Um, they're even crazier this year. Um, they embrace it. They thrive off it. Um, I think everybody to a man just kind of understands that it's going to be straight chaos out there. And the good thing is they're, for, they're not against us. And that's I think that's the biggest part of it. You watched what happened to Arcia that dugout moment where he's turning around uh you know he had enough the fans got to him uh, and that's what they're able to do they're they're remarkable in how they can kind of pick out things they'll start chanting strider chants or they'll start doing the the braves tomahawk chop or they'll uh, if you have a dewey they'll start going dui they know they know your path you've been uh and then the whole crowd just starts chanting it so it's uh, it's crazy um, how in tune they are with not only our team, but the opposing team. Um, and honestly, like teams, teams feel that they feel, you know, that, that sense of these fans are crazy. They don't stop. They're on my butt the whole time. Uh, and we thrive off it. You know, it's, it's been a big home field advantage for us. Yeah. It's like speaking from experience, being in that, that top bullpen when we were in the world series, I mean, you got anybody from a 10-year-old giving you the double bird to a 55-year-old man calling you a piece of shit. So you, you got it all. I mean, I was yeah. literally stretching. They're like, hey, fat ass, you hungry? And they threw me some chicky Pete's fries over the railing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't believe they called you a fat ass, Jabba. That, that hurts me. That hurts me. Oh, yeah. They weren't wrong sometimes, but that's neither here nor there. But... You touched on Bobby Diggerson, too, and I, and I kind of – we would be remiss being a Nebraska podcast and not talk about Alex Baum and kind of the, his transition with the Philly fans and kind of how, you know, he had his little moment and then now has gone to love and embrace it and, and how defensively and, you know, reading and, and understanding how good Bobby Dickerson how – how do you think that went with Alex and the maturity of saying what he said and understanding in a place like Philly with that fan base and then – obviously working to get better as a third baseman. Yeah, I mean, him and Bobby worked their tails off on the defensive part of the game. And uh, he's out there every day working with Bobby and uh, trying to solidify that part of his game. And he, and he, these plays he's making in the playoffs have been remarkable. I mean, just a testament to where he was and where he is now. Offensively, it was the same way. Um, this guy is so talented on the offensive end of it. He can... For a guy his size to have his bat-to-ball skills, it's remarkable. I mean, he's really, really talented in that aspect. But he would get down on himself in just a minute. It would be like, 
his, you know, he lost his best friend or something, you know, something tragic happened in his life. And dude, you made an out. It's going to happen. And so that part of it, he's done a tremendous job on picking up his spirits, understanding that he's not going to be the guy that comes through every, every day. Um, and then let's go back to the moment where he said, I, I hate this effing place. When he said that, uh, there was, oh no, now what? Because you got to deal with the media. So here we go. We got to talk about it after the game. He owns up to it. And here's what Philly did. They embraced him. They were cheering. They wanted him to do well. It's like they knew in that moment that it was not a time to boo Alec Baum. It was a time to pick him up. And you saw the Philly fans like standing ovation his first at bat. He hadn't played in like three days. And all of a sudden he gets to pinch hit and the place went nuts. From that point on, uh, you know, he felt a sense of relief and like Philly was his place now and he belonged. Pretty cool. Tough and tough love and some real love. And that yep. that's a really heartfelt story. Kevin Long with us here on the Triple Play podcast. Couple more thoughts, coach, and we'll get you out. But you and Jabba, your relationship, I need a Jabba story for coach and I need a, a coach story, Jabba. Jabba, go ahead. You can start. Well, I wanted to ask a quick question. Uh-huh. You've been on both sides of the fence in Philly. You've been in yep. the other dugout. Now you're in this one. And not to put you on the spot, but how different is it and which one is better? Well, we won. So obviously that, that's a great feeling. Anytime you win and like our tie, if you want to talk about our biggest strength together, it's we're World Series champions together. And anytime you have that tie or that bond, I will do anything for that brotherhood. Anything. I mean, we were world champions together. That We were uh, at the top of our business together. Um, and anytime you can do that, um, there's just always going to be a bond and a brotherhood that can't be, can't be broken. It never will be. Um, and I think people understand it, but they really don't. I mean, when you do something as remarkable as win a World Series together, it goes a long way. Um, being in the other dugout, on the losing side of it, it's you're going to have ties to people, but again, you're not World Series champions together. That's what Trey Turner and I have together. He's a World Series champion, so am I. We did it together. We did it in Washington. So there's a special bond and a brotherhood that comes with winning. Um, and even if you're National League champions or American League champions, it's not enough. It's that World Series champion uh, that takes it to the next level. Um, and you can think about it. If we went all the way in 2009 and lost, it wouldn't be the same. You know, there's just a part of, there's an emptiness about going that far and not winning at all. So that's, I guess that's what my experience brings to our clubhouse is I can tell them, you know, we got to keep pushing. We got to keep going. We got to keep this bond. And this story isn't finished. This story won't be finished until we win it all. Uh, And that's kind of what our theme is. And that's how we're going about it. Coach, you you talk about that, that brotherhood and, we're going to get your job a story here in a second, but I need to get your thoughts on this because my dad and I were watching the game together on Tuesday night. The stadium music's going pretty loud, but we'll be all right. Go ahead. So my dad and I are watching the game on Tuesday night and, and he sees the celebration in the Phillies dugout, the big ball celebration. He goes, what is that? Is that what I think it is? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you think it is. Tell me about that, that celebration really fast. Are there any good origin stories on that celebration? Because it makes me laugh every single time I see it. I think it's just great evidence of that, that brotherhood that you guys have because you guys always look like you're having a fantastic time in the dugout. But that big ball celebration, tell me about it. Yeah, they, uh, they came up with this on their own. <laughs> I just started laughing. First time I saw it, I go, are they really doing this? And sure enough, they are. And... <laughs> It's that. And then Castellanos does this one the other day. And I go, who's he flipping off? And he was just talking about he wants a ring. So there's some things. Uh, this day and age, um, things happen. We're back in the old days. You wouldn't see that. Um, it's just a different vibe today. It's, uh, it's, it's a different way of celebrating. Uh, but they have fun. They enjoy what they're doing. Um, and I guess that's just part of it. I don't really know that much about it. I know about it much as much as you guys do. That uh, they came up with this theme and they're they're rolling with it. <laughs> Kevin Long with us, love it. I love the uh, 
or how organic it is. But uh, uh, you're, I thought you were about to say I love the big balls, but mm. no, I I, <laughs> I hit I hit the brakes on that. I hit the brakes on that one. Well, some of he them touched, uh, go down low. Balls. Kevin hey, some about go down lower than others. I don't know what that means either. But. <laughs> right, right. Hey, where would where would Borzies be if he did that? Say it again. I'm sorry. I said, where would Borzies be if he did that? Oh boy, uh, they might. He might be going way down there, Java. Way down. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. He may be. Hey, he may be scraping, scraping the ground. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Uh, you're gonna get me in trouble. Uh, That's what it's about. That's why we can do it. That's right. That's right. Coach, your your first meeting, as we say goodbye with Java, first interaction. Do you remember it? Yeah, I do. I remember this. I remember hearing about him. Okay, there's this guy, Jabba Chamberlain. Jabba Chamberlain. I, if I heard one more time about Jabba Chamberlain and didn't see this man's face, I was going to lose it. So Jabba finally gets called up to the big leagues, okay? And he is lights out. I mean, filth, straight filth. He's throwing 97 to 100. He's got this slider that just disappears, and it's like a wiffle ball. Guys are swinging at it, missing at it, at a rate that I go, oh, my God. So... Then I find out, I said, well, why the next day we're in a jam? And I go, why isn't Java pitching? Well, we got these rules that are applied to Java. He can only pitch like once every week. I said, now stop <laughs> well, I mean, come on. And it was, I mean, we would all laugh about it. When I go, Joe Torrey, he's our manager at the time. And I go, Joe, are we trying here? He goes, listen. And it was almost like the minor leagues had more control over Java than we did at the big league level. But... I'll tell you what, it was it was special to see what this man brought to the table, the energy that he brought, and the fans, the way they embraced you, Jabba, was remarkable. I mean, it was pretty cool to see. It gives me goosebumps right now thinking about it. If you're coaching against Jabba, mm-hmm. coaching your hitters up, what's the approach against Jabba Chamberlain? How do you beat him? I can tell you one thing. It was a lot easier when he was with the Indians than it was with the Yankees. Uh, because he, didn't have quite the, he didn't have quite the stuff and quite the bite to his stuff that uh, he had when he was with the Yankees. But I can tell you this, Jabba in his prime, I mean, you might as well just go up there and hold the barrel of the bat and hit with the handle. That's, it was really, he was that good. And I mean that. He was, it was lights out. I'll pay you along with us. Huh? I said, I'll pay you later. Thank you. that's straight from the heart buddy i love it coach best to you thank you so much for giving us a few minutes on the triple play podcast and best of the fills tonight and throughout all right my pleasure and java thanks for having me man and nice meeting you guys appreciate it take care coach okay see Well, that was pretty awesome to get things kicked off for episode two. Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, and Jabba. What a what a connection, man, uh, with with Kevin Long and Kay Gay Long, as you call him. And we covered all the bases there, uh, from uh, meeting one another to uh, Philly's celebration. Elijah, well played, and uh, yeah, he's already. Rocking and rolling the ballpark for this for uh, this Thursday afternoon ball game, man. You gotta love the field, Java, this time of year. Yeah, I mean, it's you want to be at the park. I mean, you know, K Long, he, he's from Arizona. They live in Arizona, so he, he was talking earlier, and, and it's just like it's so weird being on the other team of being home. But you know, it's you get to the park early, and you know, it's just trying to get ready. And you know, as soon as you as soon as you get in those doors and you put your gear on it's you know it, it it it's just a special feeling and you know winning obviously helps and you know they're going to go into it to a tough park to play and they're going to be excited so i'm looking forward to it i mean it's it's super cool to get somebody like that especially in the situation that they're doing that probably getting pulled in 18,000 directions and they just want to mm-hmm. focus on whatever so super grateful for that but yeah it's just a different feel it's um you want to be there I mean, there's some days in August and September you're like, God, do I really got to go to the park? But here you're just like, it turns into a new season. And it's just a special feeling when when you get ready to go. Jabba, uh, let's dive into, we got, we got 
Coach Long's story. What's your recollection? Because I know you guys <laughs> connected in New York, and he's had a, a really storied career as well with some really great stops and now in Philly. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of getting to know everybody because I didn't go to spring training. I mean, obviously, I knew who the guys were, and actually their their manager, Rob Thompson, was was one of the first people I actually met from the big league side. We were, I had to go get my passport in New York and he was there doing a report. They had an off day and they were going to Toronto and he was doing something on the computer and he's actually the first person that I met. And, you know, hopefully K Long gives us an endorsement and we can get Thompson on the show too. So, sure. um, are we turning into a Phillies podcast? What are we doing over here? We're, 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 we'll just we'll just go Major League Baseball postseason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. but it bases. all started in New York. It all started in New York, so that's that's where we go. But I think it was just watching him. You never saw him, and I was like, because he was always in the cage, and he always always was there. I mean, he ended up doing a book with A Rod called Cage Rat. But when we went to the new stadium. The old stadium, the cage was all the way down the corridor. So you never saw him. And then in the new stadium, you had to walk by the cages. And I can probably count on about three fingers the times that we would walk down there and he wouldn't be in the cage doing something. Or he would be watching video. And the, the video room was right there. I mean, it's literally they're right next to each other. So he's, he's in there with somebody looking at video. And then it was just dedication to his craft and obviously it's paid off i mean you've seen what he's done with teams and you know he's i think he's won two world series been to three and has an opportunity to do it again and i think it's a testament to just his selflessness and the fact that he wants to just make everybody better i mean you know he goes out of his way they signed kyle schwager and he's already been doing work and that's what i think that they that he brings is you know make the phone call and the next day you're working and, and i think you know, just his attention to detail. And he doesn't over stimulate you. Like I would listen in because at the end of the day, like I'm trying to get those guys out. So trying to hear their approach, like, and he can dummy it down to where it makes sense. And, and I think that's why he can, you know, be relatable to so many different types of hitters with, you know, a guy like A-Rod that's, you know, plays the game, goes home, watches the game, come back and very analytical and guys that just go out and, you know, just want to have some feel. So I just, I think his selflessness and in, in, to each guy in the time and no one, I mean, if you wanted to hit at 12 at night and you called K-Long, I guarantee he'd be there in 10 minutes. And that's just, that's just the man he is. Well, when people talk so much, I mean, not so much, but people talk a lot about the the big money that was put into this Phillies lineup to get the hitters, but people don't talk about the, the big money that they're paying Kevin Long as well. He's one of the best in the business and you see the results every single year because I, was being a professional for once. And last night I'm looking up uh, all the interviews I can with Kevin Long to make sure I'm prepped up for today. And it's funny because almost exactly 12 months ago, there's a uh, an interview with MLB Network. It's Kevin Long explains the Phillies hot bats. And then there's one from just a couple of days ago, almost a year later, Kevin Long talks about the Phillies hot hitting in the play- playoffs. It, it's what he does every single year. He gets his lineup ready to go and it's why he gets paid the big bucks. It's because whenever the big moments come around, he always seems to have his hitters ready to go. Yeah, it's just, I, I like I said, I think it's his attention and, and all the things that he's done to be successful. And, he, you know, he's worked his butt off to get where he's at. And, and you know, the same thing with Tom's. It took Tom's 59 and a half years to get where he did. And you've seen what he did, you know, last year in, in the run that they made and in the things that they do. So, you know, I think it's it's all these managers, and, and you look at – and they're field guys. Like, you don't see all – I mean, obviously you see them, but you don't see the managers and them going – I mean, Dusty Baker doesn't even get off his chair to do an interview. I mean, I don't think Boshi moves. And and you got Tom's who's cool and collected and goes about his business. And so I just think all of these managers have, have that in common, and obviously it shows. You know, it's it's not only them but the people around them and – you know, that's why they're in the position they are. Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Triple Play podcast, uh, talking Major League Baseball postseason. Really awesome uh, to have time and spend a few minutes with Kevin Long, hitting coach for the Phillies. 
Jabba, last night, let's talk a little bit about your your friend Max Serger. Uh, Scherzer was great that first inning. got lit up a little bit. It wasn't a, a health thing. It was more of really what Houston was able to do, reaction. Get your take on uh, Houston getting back into this thing, not on two to one. Well, I mean, it was, you know, listening to the Fox pregame show with, you know, Derek Poppy, A-Rod, and, and Kevin Burkhardt, it was just the common theme was somebody had to help Jordan. And mm-hmm. obviously, what can what can Max get? And they had talked about 70 was the number, four innings. Um, and I just think it's it's tough to do in, in that situation. And honestly, like, everybody thinks, you know, they're up 2-0, right? So they're in the driver's seat. I feel like the Astros are so calm and they've done it so many times. Like, they don't really care. I think there's more pressure on the Rangers, especially now you have Max going. But to Max's credit, I mean, his arm could have been falling off and he would have gone out and pitched. That's just who Max is. But it's also what started the three-run inning gets 0-2, and where Max's cutter slider is usually deadly, I mean, it literally hits Jordan in the back foot. And that's just – you can throw as many sim games as you want and bullpens, but – Getting out there facing a guy like that in that lineup, it's just tough. And, you know, Max is not going to make any excuses. That's not who he is. And so now you look at it, the Astros are better on the road than they are at home. They are literally 54 and 30 this year, including the playoffs on the road. They're great in Arlington. (laughs) And the last time that they were in, and they swept the Rangers. So in their last four games, they're 4 and 0. So, and that's in the back of the mind of the Rangers, too. You got, I mean, you know that. And whether whether you publicly say you know it, you damn well you know it. And, and that's mm-hmm. just part of it. And But I think if you look at what the Astros did yesterday, it was everybody. You know, Kyle Tucker driving Jordan over, then they score a run. You know, he had three walks and hits a double in the ninth. And for a guy like that to hit under 100, that's huge. You know, to, to know that you helped in some capacity. And then obviously Altuve going deep. And it's crazy to think about, but he's second in homers with 25. He's only second to Manny, who has 29. And it's just, I mean, it's incredible. And you got the entire lineup helped yesterday. I mean, the, the play by Brantley. I mean, obviously the Tavares catch on Jordan was absolutely amazing um one of the best you'll ever see in that situation um and i think you you go back to to the other side and christian javier i I would like to have a heart rate monitor on that dude because i'm probably sure it was at like 50 i mean he just it's fun to watch him pitch just with the the composure and just the repeatable delivery and you know i think the glue that holds them together is maldi i mean he explained the color of his hair because I was on him a little bit when I was watching the game. I have it in my notes. I was like, we got to touch on his hair because that is terrible. But then he explained what it was, and it was for his kids' shoe colors, and that's the mm-hmm. color that came out. So I was like, you know what? I can't, can't, all really, right. can't really bag on him now. So, But, yeah, I just think the Astros are just so top to bottom if they're clicking. I mean, Brian Abreu gave up his first run in 31 games. Like, and to the Rangers' credit, they didn't give up. You know, they fought and clawed. And, but I, I just think in the back of their mind, I think they know that the Astros are really good on the road. In their last four, they, they beat them at home. So this series is going to get real interesting. And it's, and it's one game at a time now. And I think that goes for both series and where one game can change the momentum completely. And if I'm wrong here, we'll burn the tape, but this feels like a series that is bound for seven games. And Java, we talked about momentum on the, the last episode and how quickly it can change in, in postseason baseball. With the Rangers going on the road and winning the first two, it felt like they had a lot of momentum in that series. But you talk about how good the Astros are on the road and they go get a game. 
Can that be a, a momentum flipping game, even though it's it's just one? But the Astros bats got hot, felt like they were playing some complimentary baseball and maybe got a little hairy at the end. But I really felt like the Astros had something going in that game three, something that maybe can flip the momentum. What's your, your thoughts on the momentum in that series? Because I think the Rangers probably felt pretty good about themselves going on the road and winning the first two. And then they got Creed in the house on game three. Creed's there watching the game and they can't get it done in front of Creed. Can that flip the momentum? I think a little bit, and I was uh, I was texting back and forth with a buddy last night too, and I was like, first of all, I didn't want to see any sweeps in the championship series. Like the, the more baseball, the better. And to be perfectly honest, it's better for the players because the longer you go, the more your your playoff share goes up. So you know, you get a sweep, it's not as much money. Um, but I think I, I would love to see it go seven. And you know what makes that really interesting? That would be Max's turn to go again. Mm-hmm. So he that 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 could get real interesting and, but I think the momentum is they're so comfortable playing there they're comfortable playing on the road which is crazy, because it's usually the other way around and you know I think them going into it knowing, you know how good they are being in the situation that they've been you know being obviously, returning World Series champs and having those guys that you know don't panic you know they go about their business they know. They had they had they had to win because two and one is different than three and zero. Oh. It's only happened once from a three and zero, oh. and it, it was funny <laughs> how you have two of those O oh, four Yankees with Ortiz, and they did the special after the game, and it was it was hilarious. And so it was funny that banter. So they knew they had to win that game, and I think them knowing how good they play at Globe Life, I, I think is is definitely a momentum swing for sure. No panic with the Astros. A chance for Philly to go up 3-0. They got a rookie on the hill they're facing, and it's been all about confidence and execution by Philly. And we had a hitting coach for the Phillies, Kevin Long, get in. And, Java, you talk about the fact that you don't want any sweeps, but does that mean you're rooting against K-Long tonight? Because if they go up 3-0, it feels like it's either going to be a sweep or a gentleman sweep with how well the Phillies have been playing. Does that mean you're rooting against them tonight? Man, I just – no, not really. I want to see a good game, right? I mean, yeah, don't answer that. Yeah, just sidestep that question. That's smart. <laughs> yep. yep. A good game. And we're talking about fan bases. <clears throat> I was looking up, and in this postseason, all times at their ballparks, there's three in the top 10 winning percentage. The D backs are fourth with a 6 10 winning percentage at home. Mind you, it's not as many games as the Phillies. The Phillies is stupid. They are 28 11 with a 7 17 winning percentage. They've only lost twice in the last two years. And then ninth is the Astros. The Astros are 36-23 and 23 with a 6-10 winning percentage. So when you say home field and momentum and whatever, it's, it's, very, it's very vital. And so, you know, that, that series, you know, D-backs are going to put up a fight, <clears throat> see what happens. But Ranger Suarez is a monster in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. that, that could be a good one. And then, you know, obviously going into with the – the Strohs and the Rangers and it, that just that game and we'll see what happens. Those two, Urquidy and Haney are, are kind of toss ups. So that should be a good one. I think that that might be a few runs involved in that game as well. So I'm looking forward to today. Two games, you know, hunker down, get both TVs going and, uh, you know, just get ready for some good baseball. Triple play podcast here with her at sports job at Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, so I sent uh, one of my favorite Twitter follows is uh, 70s Sports. And uh, we, we'll talk food. We'll talk off topic. We'll talk superstitions. We'll get into some baseball related, but not too much of a breakdown topics from time to time. And the one I sent was this gal getting a ball tossed and swiping it from a child in post season and uh, listen, I've taken junior to a lot of games. This happened at minute Maid park Friday. You had a little gal kind of trudging up the stairs. As I watch, she had a D backs player uh, toss it and hold on a minute. The gals in all white rips it from the arms of a child and heads back to her margarita, presumably. Yeah, I've, I've seen it so many times, and it's so frustrating. Like, 
you'll see a kid and you go to him and then there'll be like a, and I'll, I've literally walked up to him, like, give the ball to the kid. Like, really? I just, I, I don't get that. I, I, I understand like the excitement of getting a ball, right? Like autograph. It was an autograph ball. I guess I don't, I don't really understand it because I was always on the other side, but that was one of Carter's favorite things to do. Like when he would be in BP is go find a kid and give it to him. Like, and that's, that's a memory that they'll have forever. Like this kid, like they're going to pass it on to their kid or have a cool story to tell or, Hey, I was hammered and I, I ripped it out of this girl's hand. But <laughs> if I'm sitting there and see that, like I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. Like, and I'm doing something. And, and I love that you send, and it's just the de- dejection on the girl's face when she turns around and walks up the steps, like you feel bad for her. And then it's, you're coming for a memory and, She's going to have a memory where I was like, I don't want to go to the game. I don't even get a ball. Like, it's, yeah, I, I hated that. Like, it just, that bugs me when you see grown ass adults rip balls out of kids' hands. I, I just don't, I don't get it. This is uh, equivalent to the Seinfeld episode of Costanza at the birthday party, hearing <laughs> fire uh, pushing women and children out of the way as he races <laughs> to the exit. Uh, and the replay is just on loop right now. And she wins. She's high-fiving the losers behind her in the second row. And, uh, yeah. so Well, I mean, it reminds me of the – the. have you guys seen the show Impractical Jokers, I'm sure? That one of their punishments at the end of the show is they got to go to a Yankees game and, like, start taking balls away from little kids. And it's so painful to watch because <laughs> anyone who has any, like, moral compass knows you can't do that. And, like, you can see I, – I think it was Joe. I can't remember which Impractical Joker. It was a was. Mets game. Mets game, excuse me. And, yeah, and yeah. And, and like, you can see the pain in his eyes. He doesn't want to do it, but he has to do it. And it's like, that's what a normal reaction should be. Whenever a little kid gets the ball, you don't go take it from him because that's just so wrong to do. And it's, it's crazy to me to see grown ass men and, and grown ass women going and stealing balls from kids. It's like, do you have no shame? She could have probably worked her magic to get another signed baseball job. I would think. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot you can do to get our attention that we can put it that way. Uh, <laughs> well, have you ever so, seen yeah. uh, old, old Max Scherzer, how he got Kate Upton's uh, number to start where he, he tossed her a ball. She's sitting in the front row behind the dugout. And apparently he wrote his phone number on a baseball and tossed it to her. Like, Hey, you mean Verlander, Elijah? Sorry, Verlander. What did I say? Did I say Scherzer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. man, but that's one of the first because that's 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 news, but right, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, well, that's that's a that's a winning move, Jabba. Let's go there for a minute with Verlander, Kate Upton, and is it as simple as putting the phone number on a uh, on a baseball to have the clubhouse dude deliver? Oh, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. I mean, it's it's. We can get pretty what, creative. Well, let's let's get creative, Don Draper, for a minute. And uh, what have you seen happen without without blowing the cover of anybody? Uh, everything. Um, <laughs> I've seen where they've they've dropped their number down. I've seen where you're in the dugout, you spot somebody, you go inside, you have a clubby run in, and go drop your number take them a shirt, you know, just not make it look obvious. Um, literally just face-to-face, what's your phone number? Like, I'm, it's, there's everything in, in between that to get a number to do whatever. I, I've seen it all. And it, there's been some creative ones. There's been some ones that have been blatantly obvious. And I'm just like, did you really just do that? I'm just like, all right, here we go. I mean, there's I've seen times where literally – a number's been given, and you walk in the clubhouse two innings later, and there's already a text. Like you're, already, and I was like, "All right, well, we see where this is going to go." Um, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. I guess that's, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, there, it's it's crazy how like bold some people are in the aspect of just like, hey. Next thing you know, you're seeing cash and prizes. You're like, all right, well, this is going to be a good day at the office. Um, and then there's some where, like, they'll just nonchalantly they doop, drop a little piece of paper. And then you're like, but who is it for? I mean, there could be a bunch of us. 
Mm-hmm. And then they're like, yep, this is her. Oh, well, all right. Hey, bud, here, here you go. Um, she wants your number. She's right there. Like, yeah, it's, it's always interesting. But the afterwards, I think the afterwards is the best part because you're like, well, how'd it go? Anything happen? Like, how is dinner? Go. Yeah, exactly. Like, where's she live? Where's she from? What's her blood type? Like, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it, it's interesting. It's uh, there's some wild stories and some and some things that you never expected to see, and you're just like, well, all right, I guess this is this is what's happening. There's probably these stories of it's uh, we got a you know stage four wedding crashers moment clinger to the left where it can get uncomfortable. And then there's also the match made in heaven. Uh, they're walking down the aisle. I'm sure. Yeah. There's plenty of those. Like <clears throat> I know a buddy just happened with the blue Jays. They have blue Jays dancers off limits, right? They're married with three kids now. Okay. So you, you have those stories and you have the ones where, don't work out so well. I mean, they always they always say don't shit where you eat, but sometimes sometimes <laughs> you're around you're around a bunch of dudes and you're just like, oh, I just need to get away. But yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And I think going back to is like what what's the best city for for uh getting a phone number or giving a phone number? They're all like they're all good in their own right. Like okay. there's, there's no ranking. No, not really. Like, and every like, and we'll talk about this too in the future. Is like everybody asks, "What's your favorite ballpark?" Well, there's so many aspects of the ballpark. There's the clubhouse. There's the mound. There's the food. It's crowded. Yeah. There's yeah. the there's so much of it. So there's, I mean, every place is special in its own right. But yeah, there's there's some places that are just bolder than others. That are just this is what it is, and this is what's going to happen. So. That's when uh, it starts becoming names with cities, just so you don't get them mixed up. No, I like it. That's Jabba Chamberlain, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Triple Play Podcast. And uh, we've covered a ton. We've hit on the AL and NLCS. Great sit down with Kevin Long, hitting coach for the Phillies. And he has been, Coach Long's been incredible with all of his stops. And Philly is on the verge again of, of, a, of another title. And that offense is humming. Uh, the do not do rule of taking a autographed baseball from a child as an adult uh, was on <laughs> full display over the weekend on social media. Guys, uh, as we wind down, uh, let's uh, let's get into uh, something you mentioned earlier, Jabba, with being on both sides of it, the winning side, but also the heckling side and the bullpen in a city like Philly. You mentioned they were saying disparaging things to you uh, and they were throwing you food. Uh, yeah. I did, mean, they give you, did they give you sauce with the fries? No, they were, I mean, they were, they gave us like four bags and they're all different. And we're like, we're not eating this. God knows what's in it, but no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have no idea. You're not going to eat it. Are you crazy? Um, no, the, the Kalong was 100% right. Like, because originally Philly was on the top and the visitor was on the bottom. But then they started, they weren't playing very well and they obviously were getting killed. So they moved them down. But yeah, they, I mean, it just didn't stop at me. I mean, they were talking about my dad, my mom, my kid. Like, there was, there was no holes barred and it didn't, like, it didn't matter. Like I said, it could have been a 10 year old to a 65 year old with his grandkid. Like that legitimately happened to me. I mean, I was 23 years old and dudes wearing me out in BP. I mean, just wearing me out. And I finally, i had had enough and they never expect us to bark back, but I didn't care. Like if somebody made fun of me and it was a good one, I'm turning around and be like, you know what? I haven't heard that one. That was good. Like more power to you. And that, then it's like, well, damn, I can't hate him now. And it's like, oh, it, it's just – so I turned around. This dude's wearing me out for a good, like, 20 minutes. And I'm like, dude, you're barking at a 23-year-old kid at work. I don't come throw rocks at you while you're sitting at the desk. Shut up. And he, he later there was a ball to the fence, and he goes, that was awesome. And the dude's like 65. Like, 
but they just never expect you to bark back and and you don't always do it but there's there's a time and a place where it where it makes sense and like i said if you have a good one i'm like <clears throat> yeah and the, my, my one thing was like you can come at me all you want like mm -hmm. it's whatever but like when you put bring my family into it that's that's another thing um it just that's off limits to me personally like you can talk and say whatever you want about me i suck i'm fat i'm ugly um this that and another thing like fine like so be it but like when you start bringing in family and your kids and stuff that's that's where i draw the line and it's you know some people are more ruthless than the others there, there's some fan bases that i mean i got hit with a battery in fenway um i got a beer can thrown at me in toronto um empty or half half empty uh, i think it was just the backwash it was just the end thank goodness <laughs> so yeah i mean it's just it's crazy i mean it's it's awesome in the same aspect like seattle is, is a place that you wouldn't think would be super rowdy i mean obviously the sounders was one of the highest decibel in the soccer game but they just they opened up in the bullpen they opened up the back and it's a beer garden that's opened up like two hours before and Ooh. legitimately the fans can reach over and like touch you like literally touch you so there's some there's some good shit talking there you get some good ones from there so some cities are better than the others and some they just they just say dumb stuff just to get your attention and you just laugh at them but yeah there's some cities that are better at trash talking and and do their homework a little bit that that makes it fun to to have some banter back and forth I'd appreciate uh, Philly fan for uh, their knowledge, their sarcasm, their tenacity, and their intensity. And uh, they, uh, as our old buddy Mike Leach used to say, there's an art to swearing. And Philly is one of those fan bases that uh, absolutely uh, artful, artful with it. We'll see how things shake out tonight. Game three with Philly and Arizona. And, of course, you have uh, game four going on with Houston and uh, the Texas Rangers. Jabba will check in next time. Elijah, good to spend time with you. Chris Schmidt signing off. Talk to you next week with Triple Play, the podcast with her dad.